Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you need to go today to win money. Whether it's live bets during the games or futures for who you think will win the championship, Bet Online has the latest odds, news, and information for all of your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today, betonline.ag, or use the mobile app device and join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your deposit. So before the next big game, head over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Fantasy Focus Live. Ryan Levy here, dusting off the cobwebs, coming out of retirement with my boy, Bucky. And we got some special guests and new additions to the Fantasy Focus Network. Happy to have the Candlestick Kids, a.k.a. the TCK Pod, Sky Guasco, my boy, Bobby Lamarco, a.k.a. Little Bob. Buck, how you doing, man? It's been us. I don't know. It's been like nine months since I've been on the mic with you, buddy. I have all these these passionate things that I need to bring to the people, and I feel like I've been trapped in a closet. Not to quote one R. Kelly, but I have been trapped in a closet for quite some time, and I'm busting on back out. We got shout out Dried Ocean in the comments. Fredly is back. Fredly, I need to see you back at Hooters, buddy, because I need a chicken wing and a beer with you ASAP. Uh, It feels great to be back here. I wanted to introduce... The TCK boys, we got Sky Guasco and um, Bobby Lamarco out there in California and Oregon, respectively. And we're coming to you from that beautiful spot known as Tampa Bay, Florida. I'll kick it to you, Sky. Welcome aboard. And we're happy to see what we have going for the folks. Why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself and also what some of our plans are here for this content channel? Appreciate the intro, boys. And I got to say, you know, like as somebody new to the fantasy focused family, already you got the shout outs from your from the OG fans and followers like welcome back from us to you as well. Dusting off a little bit. Bobby and I have been going crazy, man, since draft night, basically. So we have gone nonstop three, four five episodes a week for the last four or five months. Uh, but we're very excited to partner up with you guys and the fantasy focused family and continue this on. I'll let you guys kind of further explain what is actually going on here for the future, but a little bit background of the TCK pod and and your new faces here, myself and my co-host Bobby LaMarco for the candlestick kids fantasy football podcast. We've been doing this since 2018. We're over 430 episodes in actually tonight will be 437. Our episode here, we're breaking down the NFC South studs and duds. And I'll break that down a little bit more formal here in a bit, but we're very excited to be a part of this crew and link up further with you. And I'll kick over to Bobby here for a second. Oh man. So Buck was in the closet. We kicked that door down and we're ready to rock and roll, dude. I'm super <laughs> excited to do this. Me and Ryan have known each other for God knows how long, but you know, through a, through a mute, my friend, his cousin. And we just at the bachelor party recently, I was like, Ryan, what are we doing? Like, why aren't we, yeah. why isn't this a thing? And then just a couple beers and a couple laughs. And next thing you know, we're here now. So I'm excited <laughs> to break down the NFC. So this is a little teaser tomorrow. We're going to be breaking down the sleepers and the breakouts. So don't worry. It's not just all studs and duds, but I'm really excited to join the fantasy focus team and network. Yeah, we're stoked. To, we're stoked to bring this on. We will get into these players here in a bit, but if, you know, Levy, if I could dip it back to you really quickly here. So you just let everybody know on your side, what exactly we're planning to do here for the long term. I know we'll, we'll still be live every Sunday. Uh, you, we will have Sky and Bobby at the very least, and Buck and I are going to rotate 
Um, maybe there'll be some Sundays when it's all four of us, but we're excited to do that. Uh, we're going to have content Mondays and Tuesdays. I, you guys pump out a lot of content, so I wouldn't be surprised if you guys are going out here four nights a week, something like that, but tons of live content. So make sure you guys are staying tuned in. And if it's your first time coming across the channel, hit that subscribe button. Absolutely. Yeah, and folks out there, I, one thing I wanted to note was just, I think if you're a longtime listener, a viewer of Fantasy Focus, especially the live component of that on Sunday mornings, which is so crucial, I think Sky and Bobby are both very similar to the way that Levy and I are in uh, just the cadence, the conversation, uh, with a bit more analytical side to it than what I bring to the table. That's for damn sure, because I, I bring nothing more than you know, my lunch pail every day and I can maybe get one or two one-liners in and that's all I got. Sky and Bobby have been doing this for a long time, as you just heard, and I really enjoy your content. So the fact that we're bringing it to this channel, I couldn't be happier with the marriage here per se. It's the first four-way man uh, marriage that has ever occurred in the hey, content world. So I'm, I'm very excited for that. We're, we're groundbreaking here on Fantasy Focus. What do we have going for tonight, Scott? We're all about it, man. The more love, the merrier for Bobby and I. We're very happy to be with you guys. But look, we've had the nice, you know, the hugs and the hand pounds virtually here for the intro. Let's get into the content. We want to welcome everybody tuning in tonight. If you're tuning in live on Periscope, on Facebook, YouTube, feel free to jump in the comments. We already got a handful of people in here. We got, of course, your guys loving to have you guys back. We also have some TCK folks jumping in as well. Feel free to jump in the comments section as we go through the NFC South studs and duds, and we'll get to as many of the questions and comments as we possibly can throughout the evening. So if you're on the TCK side and you're tuning in, you're familiar with this segment here. What we're going to do is each of us four have given a stud and a dud for the NFC South specifically. So we're only talking about the Buccaneers, the Saints, the Falcons, and or the Panthers. And for the stud side and the dud side, we're only talking about NFC ADP players who were in the first five rounds. So we're not going to be talking about uh, Antonio Brown, for example. Uh, Robbie Anderson's not going to make the list. Guys who are a little bit further down the list, Chuba Hubbard is fun for Carolina potentially. We're not going to be talking about those kind of guys tonight. We're going to be talking about the upper echelon guys, players that the studs are the players, of course, at their current ADP that we expect to exceed that ADP. So not only are they safe in the first five rounds, but one of us expects them to actually exceed that ADP to give you more value. And the duds, of course, on the other side of the fence, a player that we're hesitant on maybe for draft capital, or maybe they're in a new situation. They might be coming into the season with an injury. Uh, potentially there's a player competition, new coaching scheme, whatever it is, one of us is fading those guys. So we have studs and duds in the first five rounds. I'm going to knock out the players who are eligible from these teams in the first five rounds, according to NFC ADP. And then Levy, we're going to let you kick this off here with your stud. So we're going to get into, again, Buccaneers, Saints, Falcons, and Panthers are the only four teams we're considering for this evening. Eligible players from those four teams going in the first five rounds in PPR and half PPR, according to NFC ADP, are, of course, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Calvin Ridley, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, DJ Moore. You have, of course, Kyle Pitts coming in as the rookie, and then Mike Davis. So, Levy, I'm going to have you kick it off here, man. Who is your NFC South stud? Well, I got to tell you, man, I'm not making a good first impression on you guys because I didn't realize we were only doing the first five rounds. I, I assumed that this was top 10, but to back this up, I had a 12-man a draft last night. I've been in this league for six or seven years, and my boy Tom Brady went in the fourth round. I about fell off the couch, 
I was really surprised to see. And and for my ADP here, I used um, ADP draftcalculator.com or whatever it is, which aggregates all the data from various sites. But uh, Brady currently going at 708. And last year he finished as the number eight QB. About the ninth quarterback off the board right now. For me, we're returning all five starters on the offensive line. That is a, a big plus for me here. According to PFF, they are the fifth ranked offensive line headed into the 2021 season. Tristan Wirfs is awesome. I can talk about all these guys on the line day in and day out. But, I mean, look, it's fitting. I'm returning from retirement to talk about the NFC South. I have to talk about a Buccaneer. I, I could be talking about Ronald Jones or something like that, but I got to give a shout out to the GOAT. I would take a bullet for this man. Bucky and I have endured a lot of pain and suffering in the last 15 years since I was in high school, at least, was the last time the Buccaneers were good. And, uh, yeah, that, that's my guy. I'm, I'm leaning on this line here. I, he's pretty much a lock for 40 touchdowns and 4,000-plus yards again with upside at, at 44 years old or however old he is. It's insane. Let's go. Well, I think, number one, like my gut instinct here is can he continue – to be this successful at this level at 44 years old going on to 45. That's the only question mark I have. But currently, his ADP is what? It's in the seventh or eighth round currently uh, overall. I mean, that's a hell of a value for a guy like Tom Brady. He's Mr. Dependable. They returned every player. So who are we to say that year two in Bruce Arian's system is going to be a downward trend for Tom Brady? I really feel that where you're getting him in drafts, even if it's the fourth round when you see Mahomes, Allen, coming off the board very early, you got old Mr. Trusty. He's the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, Tom Brady. It never fails. You give me a cold glass of milk and a beer to follow that. It's just it's unbelievable stuff that he's done this late in his career. My only question mark would be, is there something lingering as far as an injury that might occur due to age? But he's a robot, so there are no injuries. And this is a fellow that I really can't say a negative word about. He took Tampa Bay by storm, winning a Super Bowl. I mean, what can't he do? He wants to prove all the doubters wrong. And with his cast of characters that he's throwing the ball to, Gronkowski, I mean, the way that he had the resurgence towards the end and during the playoff run, caught a, caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl, I really feel that year two in Bruce Arians' offense is going to do him a world of good. Tom Brady is the first – well, the Buccaneers, I should say. Tom Brady – the Tom Brady factor is a big part of this. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the first team since the NFL merger, AFL-NFL merger in 1970, to return all 22 starters. On top of that, they also returned a handful of special teams and auxiliary guys. So it's far more than 22. But the 22 starters all returned this year to run it back and try to get another championship. And right – I mean, Mahomes and the Chiefs are always up at the top. You know, Aaron Rodgers is always part of that conversation. But it has to be – the Buccaneers as a top part. And now, even though we bent the rules a little bit on the rounds, this just goes to show you that, I mean, again, in a home league, Tom Brady still has the name pedigree. So going in the fourth round, although he's not doing it in average draft position, he might do it in your home league. So right. Levi, we'll give, we'll give it to you. Yeah, the, the last thing I want to say on that, overall, as a fantasy squad, I'm not investing too heavily in the Bucs. Like, I'm fine with Brady. And I like Rojo, and I'll even take Leonard Fournette a little bit later. But I just want to mention really quick, there's just a lot of mouths to feed there. I mean, Bucky and, and Sky, you, you've mentioned some of these guys already, but you've got Evans, you've got Godwin, you got AB, in addition to Gronk, you still got Cam Brayton, OJ Howard's coming back. 
healthy. I know he hasn't looked great in the preseason so far, but there's just a lot of weapons there, man. So I'm not investing too heavily in, in some of the other weapons directly, but I'm excited about this offense as a whole, and they're a better football team than they are a fancy team. Uh, it wouldn't be the NFC South conversation if we didn't mention the GOAT, Tom Brady. So I'll give it to you. All right, Bucky, let's move over to your side, man. Who was your NFC South stud? It's Kyle Pitts. Uh, hand up. This is a bit biased, but I think it's also it's also leveled in some reasoning here. Uh, I went to University of Florida. I watched Kyle Pitts turn into an absolute monster in his final year wearing the orange and blue. And this guy, I think with Julio Jones, who you aptly have his jersey hanging up behind you there, Sky, uh, with him leaving and the way that they're talking about setting Kyle Pitts up, it's the versatility with Kyle Pitts. It's the fact that I guess we'll start here. Let me let me compartmentalize this. Let's start here. You have George Kittle, you have Darren Waller, and you have Travis Kelsey all going, for the most part, in the first two, maybe early third round. So you're paying top dollar for those options. With Kyle Pitts, you could still find him in the late fourth and all through the fifth rounds in most drafts that I've been a part of so far. So when I see that value there, and I can my, – my style of drafting is I like going two running backs – two receivers, and then just figure out best on board. If I'm in the fifth round and I see Kyle Pitts there in an offense that lacks Julio Jones, has one true threat on the passing game, and that's Steven Ridley. And the fact is they are going to move him all over that formation. They have Hayden Hurst, who will be asked to be more of that inline tight end. And then you have Kyle Pitts, who I think is just going to be a jack of all trades, line him up everywhere, matchup nightmare, 4-4 speed, at six foot six, 250 pounds. Uh, it's just in, an incredible athlete with the softest hands I've seen in a tight end in quite some time. I wouldn't be shocked for him to put up a massive, massive year for the Atlanta Falcons this year with them missing their big play threat with Julio Jones. And I think Kyle Pitts, you're going to invest a fourth round pick in a player and I can get him where I get him. When I look at that value comparison between grabbing a tight end in the first or second round versus a fifth round pick. That's a world of difference for your roster construction. So that's where I have Kyle Pitts and, and I'm really excited to see what he brings to the field this year. Levy thoughts on Kyle Pitts this year in Atlanta. I just feel like he's, he's kind of an anomaly, right? I mean, normally I'd be hesitant to take a rookie tight end that early in a draft, but I mean, you look at where he's going and it's like, do you, do you want to take a guy like Kyle Pitts? Cause I, I think the upside's unlimited there. And you mentioned without Julio and, uh, Calvin Ridley buck. I, I got to call you out on that. You know, Steven uh, Ridley. I always do. Cause Steven Ridley haunts my dreams, man. <laughs> Steven Ridley was my first round pick in like 2011. Yeah. Got hurt yes. three games. I, in, I was going to, I was going to give him statue of limitations on the decade reference. Uh, right. since you called him out. Well, Steven here's Ridley the thing. Out. Funny part about that is Levy has heard me call Calvin Ridley, Steven Ridley at minimum 50 times. It's yes. in my head. I'm haunted by the man. I can't break him, and he's still there. But you knew who I was talking about. Oh, of course. Of course I knew. I, I, I mean, for me, I, I, um, I, I've also heard you say 50 times how good, you know, we're, we're talking here with Pitts. This guy's unbelievable. He's a, he's a freak athlete. He's a generational talent. So I, I'm, I'm with Buck. You know, I, I'm, I tend to lean the approach of two running backs, two receivers. I might even go three running backs and a receiver in my first four rounds. So if I'm sitting there in the fifth round – and Pitts is there, I feel confident about it because there's a ton of upside. I want a piece of that upside. I play in a ton of leagues. 
there's no doubt in my mind I'm going to have Pitts in several leagues. So I, I'm certainly on board with it. My biggest question mark, and we can talk about this later, is the offensive line for, for the Falcons. They are way down the ranks there. So I, I know we're going to be talking about a running back from, from Atlanta here uh, pretty soon. But that, that's a concern for me. And an aging Matty Ice makes me a little bit nervous. So I'm also nervous about Ridley. But, you know, I'll, I'll defer to you guys on that. So I just have one observation here, and that's the fact that rookie tight ends do tend to struggle to acclimate to the NFL, but he will not be asked to do the blocking assignments that you would have, say, uh, one of your, you know, actual tight end inline tight ends. Hayden Hurst. I don't think they're going to ask him. I don't think they're going to ask him to do any of that. So I don't think that learning curve is going to be nearly as steep for him. He's not going to have that, you know, getting taken to school moment against uh against an outside linebacker there i think he'll be taking them to school and offensive line that doesn't worry me so much because pits can hit you over the middle pits can hit hit you with a quick dart out it i don't i'm not too worried i think he's actually going to be a great safety valve there for ryan in a tumultuous situation on the o-line it's fragger Definitely agrees with you all here. Uh, I, I just have to give a shout out really quick here. Bobby and I do episodes every single night, and he and I talk back and forth for an entire hour. And he's been extremely generous and polite, biting his tongue up in the corner. But I, I know, I know he's ready to talk about rookie tight ends. Bob, I got to have you jump in just for a second here, uh, Kyle Pitts. All right. So listen, this is the thing about Kyle Pitts that people need to realize. Like George Kittle, Mark Andrews. When you look at their rookie seasons, they only got between fifty and sixty or so targets. We expect Kyle Pitts to get closer to that 100 target mark because of the fact that there's no one behind Calvin Ridley. So you cannot compare Kyle Pitts to those guys because we already know the target volume is going to increase. So when you look at the guy who actually is the benchmark, it's Evan Ingram, that one season with the Giants. It didn't look pretty, but he got 115 targets and finished with 9.4 points per game. So I think from that aspect, 9.4 isn't a true difference maker in the tight end position. It's good. It's definitely probably going to be the four five tight end. The question comes, are you better off waiting five rounds and getting your pick of the letter, like a Tyler Higby or whoever you're hiding on your sleepers. And then drafting a guy like, let's say Jamar chase or T Higgins or whoever your favorite receiver is in that round, because that's what it comes down to. It's Kyle Pitts and the receiver. You're going to replace a guy like T Higgins with later or Tyler Higby, Dallas Goddard, those guys later, and then maybe taking an elite receiver, maybe even like a Tyler Lockett in that range instead. So that's why I kind of fade Kyle Pitts, but I don't think it's fair to compare him to all other rookies because of that target upside. It is tough, and you're you're basically the, – the only problem I have with Kyle Pitts, and we all know the talent could be there, and in Dynasty Leagues it's a no-brainer. In redraft, I'm also probably not going to pick him in the fifth round. If he falls to sixth or seventh, then sure. But in the fifth round, you still get very high upside, you know, wide receiver – twos potentially um or running back depth if you need it and the problem is with pitch this year you're drafting him at his ceiling so he has to produce exactly how we all hope that he produces just to give you value back now if he if he is travis kelsey or darren waller this year then yeah sure you you struck gold but it's so rare to happen the good news is he might be the wide receiver too on that team that could that could throw 620 times again for the fifth straight year so We'll see what happens there. Also, of course, Arthur Smith comes over from Tennessee. He is a longtime tight ends coach. That certainly helps. And, Bucky, you mentioned it. Hayden Hurst might take the brunt of the offensive line blocking work this year. Um, So maybe Pitts is out in the slot or just running routes all day long. If all those things happen, we know the talent could be there. And if he catches eight to ten touchdowns, he's going to be a top six tight end just by virtue of the position. But I probably am going to hold – I'm going to hold off this year – 
And if I get burned, I get burned. But I'm going to hold off this year. If he blows up, I'll be all in next year. Dynasty, obviously, I'm pushing in the chips for sure. Bobby, let's get into yours here, man. You have another uh, Buccaneer here for your NFC South stud. Yeah, so Ryan took my guy technically. Tom Brady was – me and him were in the group chat, and I was like, you know, i got to diversify. I can't be – you know, I don't want the people to think this guy doesn't have his own opinion. So I, I pivoted to Mike Evans, and this is why. So Mike Evans is the alpha. I understand when you look at the 11 games, including the playoffs, it was A.B., Chris Godwin, and also Mike Evans on the field together. The nine games – or the 11 games they played together – it's the target distribution is very close. It's 76 for Mike Evans, 76 for Chris Godwin, 74 for Antonio Brown. In those games, he averaged 13.1 points per game. That's mid-range wide receiver two numbers. So I totally understand that. But the playoffs were very unique. The Super Bowl, it was like Gronkowski show. So Mike Evans had one catch in that Super Bowl. So including some of the playoff games, plus he faced Marshawn Lattimore. And we all know if you're a Bucks fan, you know Marshawn Lattimore shuts down Mike Evans pretty much yeah. every time. So I want to give him a little pass. So I looked at the actual regular season games, and a lot of people forget, and I want to tell the boys a story here, and I want to tell the world. I lost a a five-player parlay reception prop on week 17 because Mike Evans got hurt in week 17. It would have won me six grand. Okay? I got four (laughs) out of five. It would have won me six grand. And Mike Evans had four catches in the first quarter. His prop was five. It was four four and a half. I I just – it was – I lost. I can't. Anyway, so I was a little bitter when I was going into this, but I said, you know what? Let's do it for the fantasy-focused team. I'm going to be open-minded. Let's dive into Mike Evans. When you look at nine, week nine when A.B. started through week 16, and I just explained why I removed week 17 because of injury, he actually averaged 16.2 points per game. That's right up against uh, Stephon Diggs. That's with a full experience of A.B. and Chris Godwin. He showed that he could be that alpha. Listen, Mike Evans is the best receiver that Tom Brady's played with since Randy Moss. And that is not even close. I love Julian Edelman. He's a great player, but he does not offer the same upside Mike Evans does. And you saw it with Brady. When they got into the red zone, they're throwing plays to Mike Evans all day. And the last time, you just brought this up, Buck, and this I love, I'm going to spin this right into my conversation, the second year in Bruce Arians' scheme. Well, the last time a guy did that, his name was Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer supported three top 36 receivers that year. The number one, Larry Fitzgerald, was the wide receiver eight. So he showed that in the Bruce Arians offense, they could support three quality receivers and also still have an alpha. And that's why I think Mike Evans is that alpha. And I'm I'm willing to take him in that fourth round where he's going all day. I love it, man. And he's got, you know, the touchdown upside has been immense for Mike Evans' entire career. Of course, the Mike Evans stat is that he's had a thousand receiving yards every year of his career, the only NFL player in history to have that over seven years to start his career. The pro I, it's a, the only reason to fade Mike Evans isn't even Godwin and A B for me, because I think there's enough to eat for the Bucks. It's the weird games we had early in the season where he had, and you mentioned the Super Bowl, one catch. He had three games last year where he had two or fewer targets. Targets, not catches. And there were two games where he had two catches for two yards and two touchdowns. So how do you – you got fantasy points, but, like, you never, ever want that because if he drops it or it's a PI and doesn't count, random things like Mike Evans literally doesn't exist for your team and you're drafting him basically as a high upside wide receiver too. So I'm not necessarily super fading Mike Evans between him and Godwin. I'm leaning Evans as well. Uh, It's kind of a cheater conversation for this particular episode, but I would rather just fade both and go with AB in the eighth or ninth. Although I will say I mock draft. 
it's kind of a sickness for me this time of year. I mock draft like three or four times a day on various sites to keep pace of what's going on. Antonio Brown has gone from the 10th round across the board about two weeks ago. He's going in the back of the sixth, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So like no. the AB value isn't even AB value anymore. So now I might actually go with Evans instead. So Bobby, I, I'm with you on that one. I might just fade all the Bucks receivers though and go with Brady because he's the one distributing. Um, but we'll see what happens there. Okay. I'm going to get into my stud here. And I mean, anyone that listens to the TCK pod knows how much I love my man, Calvin Ridley. I have since he came into the league and I, Julio Jones is arguably my favorite player in the NFL currently. Larry Fitzgerald, who technically is not in the league right now, and Alvin Kamara are my three-headed monster of my favorite players currently. Julio is that guy, but he obviously now is in Tennessee. Calvin Ridley is going as the wide receiver four. He's my wide receiver four. ECR has him at five. He's going in the middle of the second round. Nine and a half targets per game last year. Only four other wide receivers saw those targets. Ten-plus targets per game in 2020 as well first Calvin Ridley was first in air yards 2063 completed air yards 1095 deep targets 40 unrealized air yards I gotta throw that one in there for Bobby 968 unrealized air yards number one in the NFL for Calvin Ridley he's going to be minimum like the 2021 garbage time king and I know that people hate garbage time for NFL but in fantasy football guess what all the points still count and guys like Kirk Cousins, all right, and Matt Ryan over the year, love garbage time. So I think that he's going to get that opportunity because, unfortunately, the Falcons' defense is not up to par. If the Panthers take a big turn up with the CMC back, I think they will. The Saints are still going to be competitive with an elite defense. And, of course, the Buccaneers. The Falcons most likely are going to be behind in those games minimum trying to chase, which they usually do. I think that he's going to have a lot of second-half opportunity. I mentioned this recently on our show, but, again, I'm not a big like preseason hype guy, coaches speak film guy, but certain things jump off the page and jump off film for me. Just the other day, the Falcons and the Dolphins had one-on-one scrimmage time. Calvin Ridley turned around Xavier Howard just on a top, basically, for a deep touchdown and one-on-one drills. Something like that for two elites to go together and Calvin Ridley to smoke him, essentially, was huge. Now they have uh, Dave Ragone coming in as the new offensive coordinator from Chicago, but Arthur Smith will remain calling the plays in Atlanta. We saw the efficiency from A.J. Brown last year, so I think Calvin Ridley's floor is A.J. Brown, so wide receiver eight, seven, and then the upside, in my opinion, is wide receiver one overall. I'll throw out some nerd stats quickly with him, with and without Julio Jones, and Bobby, I'll get your reply because I know you're not necessarily on the same page here with me. In the eight games Calvin Ridley played last year with Julio Jones, excuse me, without Julio Jones, he averaged 11 targets, 7.3 receptions, 107 yards, and half a touchdown. That was 20 PPR fantasy points or wide receiver four where he's going right now. Those eight games, here are his stat lines. Eight for 91, five for 110, eight for 136, six for 50 and a touchdown, eight for 124 and a touchdown, 10 for 163 and a touchdown, five for 130. And according to Reception Perception, shout out Matt Harmon, Calvin really separates in the 95th percentile against both man and zone. He's quite literally uncoverable no matter how you come at it. 26 touchdowns in 44 career games, 60% chance of scoring a touchdown over his career. The only two wide receivers active right now that have a better chance of scoring a touchdown on any given play, 
Tyreek Hill, 64%, Devontae Adams, 62%, and then Calvin Ridley at 60. That's great company, ahead of Stephon Diggs, ahead of Nuke Hopkins. I'm going to take Calvin Ridley at number four, and I'm kind of going back and forth with Stephon Diggs because he's a little bit beat up. By draft day, it might be Calvin Ridley number three. Wow. Don't listen. Yeah, don't listen to this guy. He's lying to the fantasy focus community. I never disagree. I love Calvin Ridley. The only thing I ever said about Calvin Ridley was I was expecting the numbers to be bigger on a half point PPR basis in the games without Julio Jones in the game. Without Julio Jones, they will be. Yes, yes. But he averaged in the games we saw already, he averaged 16 points per game in the games with Julio playing less than 50% or not in the game at all. He also had 10 targets per game. In those games. So I don't really see him having more than 10 targets per game. But Matt, this is very important. Matt LaFleur was the QB coach in 2015 and 16 for the Falcons. Okay, why I bring that up is Matt LaFleur was the offensive coordinator. That's the system that Arthur Smith took over. So this system has been in place with Matt Ryan before. In 2015, Julio Jones had 200 plus targets. Like in this system. This offense as well just had the Devontae Adams monster season with the 21 points per game. So the offense is conducive to have that elite target hog. And if what if Kyle Pitts has the rookie hiccups? Is Russell Gage going to be dominating targets? I don't think so. I think I think he's a great pick. The question comes, is he better than Stefan Diggs? Are you going to take him over running backs like Joe Mixon, Antonio Gibson? Let me toss it down to Buck here. I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to ask you. So where are you taking Kyle Ridley in the second round right now? So first off, shout out Dave Ragone, Louisville Cardinals. Boom. Um, hell of a lefty quarterback there. Uh, but I'm taking him. I struggle with wide receivers in the second round. Um, I'll be honest. I, especially with the dearth of running back depth in this year's drafts, it it pains me to say I probably wouldn't look at him in the second round. I know that that's where he will be going. Um, but if if you're finding him mid second to late second, I think that's fine. I believe the numbers, Sky, unbelievable job rattling those off. I don't know how your head didn't explode. Uh, mine did. And I'll tell you, I, I really believe in the player. I just – my draft philosophy does not allow me to pick up receivers in the second round for the most part unless I'm in a very large, you know, 14, 16-team league. If it's a 12-team league, I'm going to stay away from him. And that's more so to do with Matt Ryan and what I believe will be the emergence of Kyle Pitts, number eight, which is just going to look so weird out there with these receivers with the low numbers. Uh, but I, I just believe that Kyle Pitts is actually going to end up being the man. You don't draft somebody at number four overall in, in kind of an odd box position. I guess I wanted to say this before, Sky, but we kind of box these players up. I don't think he's a tight end. I think he's a playmaker. Yep. And I do think he will be taking – I think it's going to be a very even target share between him and, and Calvin Ridley, not Ooh. Steven. All right. Wow. Levy, real quick, do you have any thoughts here on, on Calvin Ridley or anything else you might have missed? Yeah, just I, I actually tend to lean with – I mean, look, I love Ridley as a player, and, and I believe in the talent. There's no doubt about that. But I tend to lean with Buck in, in terms of where I'm I'm willing to draft him. For me, I'd rather wait till the third or fourth round and go get a guy like Keenan Allen because, uh, you know, I, I believe in Justin Herbert more than I believe in Matt Ryan. I believe in the line. I believe in the offense as a whole a lot more. So I guess you could make the argument that – you, you want to fade someone like Ridley because he's going to get all the extra coverage and this and that, and the run game isn't potentially going to be as strong as some people think with Davis because of the line, right? But again, on sheer volume alone and, and sheer talent, I, I believe in Ridley. So if you want to take him in the second round, I'm certainly not going to argue with you. But for me personally, again, I'd just rather wait 
third or fourth for, for someone else who has top 10 upside, like Keenan Allen, you know, who's a target hog. I love myself a target hog. Trust me. But that, that's my thoughts. Uh, I mean, love, love the stats though. Good numbers there. Fair enough. I like it. Bobby, if the fantasy focused followers are looking for deep in-depth analytical basis and, and statistics, like we're bringing up here, where can they find that kind of knowledge? Yeah, so one of the our sponsors that we've been working with is expandtheboxscore.com. And if you guys are not familiar with expandtheboxscore.com, it's actually on par with things like PFF and also Sports Info Solutions. Those products, if you want to get in-depth stats, for example, average depth of target, uh, contested catches, routes run, broken tackles, missed tackles, those detailed, those advanced stats, but you don't have hundreds of dollars to spend, Expand the Boxer offers you the opportunity to invest and actually see advanced stats for only $25 for the season. And the best part, too, is if you use the promo code TCK, you get $5 off, but you also get a four-day free trial. So you can test out the site, check out their scatter plot tool, check out all the leaderboards. And if it's not something you think is worth 20 bucks, you can get your money back. So it's basically a low risk. But I believe that anybody who's really into fantasy and wants to take a dab a little bit in advanced stats, go to expandtheboxcore.com. And if you are a Calvin Ridley fan, you're looking at anybody else in the NFC South, the Buccaneers, the Saints, maybe you want to get yourself a, a Drew Brees, show a little respect to my man, the Hall of Famer, retired, or you want to get a Bucks creamsicle jersey before those are sold out by the time he retires, my man Alvin Kamara. You can get yourself a Julio Jones, even a Colin Kaepernick. You can see it behind me. Any team, any sport, home or away, custom, throwback, retro, whatever it is, go to Jersey jungle they handle their business on instagram you can hit them up at the jersey jungle on instagram use the promo code tck to receive 10 to 15 percent off of one two jerseys and 15 percent off of three jerseys i usually get them in bundles i get three to six jerseys because again i kind of have a sickness here with fantasy football and collecting jerseys but don't tell the fantasy football community i'm also a baseball nerd on the side so i collect baseball jerseys on top of football jerseys so make sure you go get that claim your shot grab a rookie get your Najee Harris you know get somebody that you want get a, a Trevor Lawrence my man Trey Lance whoever you're claiming in this rookie class get them now you can get a home or away jersey hit up the jersey jungle DM on Instagram the jersey jungle my man Trenton will take care of you use a promo code 10% off with TCK and you can get that 10 to 15% off of your authentic stitch and twill jerseys just like the guys wear and bobby finally if they're drafting live where should they be going and if you got if you just bought a fresh jersey you want to show it off to the crew in person make sure you're doing an in-person draft and you draft at redzone.com draft at redzone.com this is not just your typical board that you're going to get for your league it's a little bit of everything you get a championship ring and an engraved case with the package that alone is worth $50. This entire package is only less worth than less than 100 bucks. You also get cheat sheets from fantasypoints.com. You get a loser last place sign that you can hang around the guy who came in last last place last year. But also the best part too is $5 for every single draft board sold goes to help youth sports. So that's a donation to $5 to a local youth sports organization. So it goes to a good cause. So if you guys are doing an in-person draft this year, do it with draft at redzone.com. Use that promo code TCK to get 10% off your order. Boom. There we go. All right, y'all. We did the studs. Now we got to turn the page and look at some duds. So the same players, the same rounds and things, but these are players that we're not necessarily excited about, unfortunately, for whatever reason. Again, I mentioned it. it could be an injury, coaching change. Maybe it's a positional battle. Maybe it's just strictly their ADP. 
Levy, again, we'll kick off with you, my man. Who is your NFC South dud? Listen, I want to preface this by saying in this same draft I referenced earlier where Tom Brady went in the fourth round, I actually drafted Michael Thomas last night in the ninth round. <laughs> the ninth round was just too far for me. That almost sounds like stud ability if you're going to like take the take the bait, <laughs> yeah. I guess, right? Right, right. Yeah, it's – it's. listen, I, I am not a Jameis believer. I have watched Jameis Winston through college, go Knowles, um, you know, he won a national championship and he, he's definitely got some magic to him sometimes, but the guy's a bonehead. And to me, I, I don't know fully. Like I, I need to see what's going to happen with Taysom Hill and what's going to happen with Jameis. But of course there's the injury concern there. Right. And I, I just feel like old slant boy isn't it anymore. Oh, with oh. I, I just don't. There it was. Shots fired. Shots fired. I, just, I gotta, I gotta fire a shot at old slant boy. I'm just not a fan, but for me, if he's going to fall all the way to the ninth round, I'll, I'll, I'm willing to take a stab because he's what my, my fourth guy on the bench, whatever. For me, the upside is there that late, but you know, he he's already at, at six, six round. It's, it's crazy to see how far this guy has fallen but like the Bucs, the Saints do have a really strong offensive line. I think they are going to lean on the run game. And I think Taysom Hill, even if Jameis is the starter, who knows? They pay Taysom Hill a lot of money. I, I do believe Taysom is going to be out there a lot. Either way, they're going to run the ball a lot. Kamara is going to be relied on pretty heavily. But for me, I, I, I just don't think we're going to see a 100-catch season from Michael Thomas ever again. I, I just don't see it. Oh, I, I I certainly disagree with you on that. I think I think he'll be just fine in terms of a hundred yard reception season down the line. Is it going to happen with Jameis? That's the question. Is it going to happen with Taysom Hill? When you transition from a gentleman named Drew Brees, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, uh, he was also very good at finding the open man, making making the throw before it was there right before the break just knowing where his where the bodies would be and put the ball on the money didn't have that great arm strength i am concerned this year with Jameis winston or Taysom hill under center uh, i think there's going to be a lot of times where he hasn't come out of his break so the ball just isn't on time i think we're going to see a lot of turnovers on that offense but i i think for where you're getting michael thomas i'm going to disagree with you i'm more than happy to draft Michael Thomas in the sixth round with upside, you know, due to my drafting strategy, which is running back heavy early, I'm more than happy to pick up Michael Thomas a little bit later on. Buck, I've got a theory here and it's strictly based on him not being a good clubhouse guy. Currently uh, he's had trouble running his mouth in new Orleans in the past. He's still doing it. He's injured. I have a theory that Michael Thomas gets traded either by the deadline or let's just say after the season latest, Maybe sooner than later, if somebody wants to take the gamble that he's still young and can produce when he gets healthy. But it seems like Sean Payton doesn't want to deal with this kind of stuff. If he leaves or he doesn't play half of the season, is there a concern for you? And obviously, Levi and, and, and Bobby and I, all, I think all feel the same. But, Buck, if you're willing to, to draft him, are you concerned at all that you might be killing half a season, dude? Half a season waiting for somebody to come back. And then you have to hope that he's healthy when he comes back. He had surgery four months after he should have in June. It's not like he's coming back like Saquon or some of these guys where like he's had the year to heal. He, he's coming back fresh, and by the time he comes back, then he's knocking off the rust. I'll remind everybody, unfortunately, last year he played one game, then he missed six. 
He came back in week nine. He played six games after that. No touchdowns and averaged just 70 yards per game with Drew Brees. Without Drew Brees, doesn't matter. He was not on his A game. He was also hurt two years ago. Are you willing to do that draft capital, even in the ninth round, where you can get a Marvin Jones, a Mike Evans, somebody else, or sorry, Mike Williams, somebody else like that with upside, when you know you're missing at least a month, maybe two in the season? Yeah, so when you have a healthy a healthy Michael Thomas. I feel like Michael Thomas, what is a half, a good half season for him? 750, six touchdowns. At that stage, we're already throwing darts in the sixth, seventh. If we're talking ninth round, we're throwing darts. But what's the upside for Michael Thomas? So if we say that the floor is, let's say, 700 yards, five touchdowns. Yes, are there other players that you could snag at that position that have more upside considering their health, uh, their system? Uh, an old trusty quarterback, sure. But I am willing to gamble on the player that has been one of the top wide receivers in the league for quite some time now. I'm I'm willing to gamble. He's a name, he's polarizing, not a great locker room guy, as you noted. But that trade could be something good for him, right? What happens if he finds himself in a better situation than having Jameis Winston throwing up ducks? I don't know. Fair enough. I will tell you the upside is 375 PPR fantasy points in 2019. 100 more fantasy points than Chris Godwin and Julio Jones, who were number two and three, respectively, that season. 23 and a half PPR fantasy points, four more a game than anybody else. That is the upside. That's what you're hoping for in round nine. Bucky, obviously, you're willing to take the dart on Michael Thomas, but there's somebody else in this division that you're not feeling. Who's your dud in the NFC South? It's DJ Moore. Uh, DJ Moore is the player that keeps on popping up every fourth round for me. As I do my two RBs, I get the best wide receiver on the board, and then I'm staring at DJ Moore, and I at times feel like I'm I'm standing at a cliff face. And I'm like, am I going to just take this dive on DJ Moore? Here's my argument against DJ Moore. Number one, is Sam Darnold, and this is an open question, so chime in, is Sam Darnold markedly better than Teddy Bridgewater? No. No I way. Mean, I don't think he is. We don't I, listen, Adam Gase, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't yeah. I can't judge. Look at what Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill was like, yeah, hey, he's done. And now he's like a superstar. So yeah. I'm gonna TBD on that one. Adam Gase is the worst. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna cop good. out as well and throw out a maybe. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, actually, I, yeah. I, I also I believe in Sammy D. I really do. I'm a West Coast guy. I watch I'm a Ducks fan, but I watch too much USC ball as well. Sam Darnold is the real deal. He had no chance with the Jets, no weapons, bad coaching. He was injured, COVID. Uh, he had, um, uh, you know, his own sicknesses. I believe he had mono as well a couple of years ago. So I'm going to give him another a stat. And look, we've seen what Teddy Bridgewater is. He's a good NFL quarterback. Fantasy-wise, I think the ceiling of what Sam Darnold can do could be more than the ceiling of Teddy. I agree with you on that. So the other concern here, and I have two more or three more, familiarity between Darnold and Robbie Anderson. And Robbie Anderson, with his kind of ascendance, or ascend, he ascended to a different level of a player last year. And I think that continuity with him, the relationship with Darnold, I do feel that Robbie Anderson will be the first look. And then you have to mention, they drafted Terrace Marshall Jr. in the second round, and he's a big body. DJ Moore is not. DJ Moore, I think, is on the, the wrong side of six foot, even though he's listed at six foot. He's not a big fella. And he hasn't been active in the red zone. He's never been a target in the red zone through three seasons. He's only accumulated 10 total touchdowns. And then last year, he had a major downturn in receptions. But the targets were there. 
So what what the hell happened there? Because his targets were up around what one one ten, I believe, and he ended up with sixty six catches. There's something missing there, and I know that Teddy Bridgewater is not the quarterback of all quarterbacks, but that lack of red zone productivity, coupled with the fact that Terrace Marshall is going to come in there, and I think he's going to play a much bigger role in the red zone than what we've seen out of DJ Moore. I just have a lot of concerns about where I like DJ Moore. I want to preface it with I like him. We've seen his growth in the three seasons he's had in the NFL But the problem is the landing spot. Fourth round is just too rich for my blood when you have Anderson and they brought in Marshall, who I think will be a bigger threat in the red zone. Yeah, let's not not forget they have all-world Christian McCaffrey coming back for a few dump-offs as well. Yeah, right. Lee, do you have anything to add for for DJ Moore here? Sorry sorry to cut cut everyone off. I need to get you on the clock a little bit. So Tyler Lockett or DJ Moore? Tyler Lockett. Yes. What about Adam Thielen or DJ Moore? Ooh, that one's tough. Kirk Cousins is just that terrible, ugly stepchild that always seems to make sure he's in front of the line. Let's throw that out there. Yeah, I'm going to go Thielen. I'm going to go Thielen. All right. What about? I believe in Kirk Cousins. I'm a believer. What about T. Higgins? Yes, T. Higgins is a yes for me. All right, last one. Brandon Ayuk. Ooh, no. I'm going to go DJ Moore over Ayuk. I'm not an Ayuk believer. So you're probably like close to that four or five turn. That's when those guys start fading into the fifth round. So I got you. All right, cool. Yeah. Sorry, Ryan, over to you. No, I'm, I'm with Buck. I mean, I, I believe in the talent of DJ Moore. Bucks, I know a couple of years ago you were really high on him. Um, you know, he's first getting in the league, I guess, three years ago at this point. But for me, again, the, the line is an issue for me. And I, I just – I'm concerned. And and I feel like with McCaffrey coming back, obviously he's going to get a ton of touches. They're going to do everything they can to get him the ball. For me, I'd much rather, you know, I'm a Robbie Anderson guy, but love this guy forever. Great hair, great fantasy upside. Give me the deeper sleeper. If you want, you can't call Robbie Anderson a sleeper. He's just deeper value. I I think for sure that's the route I'm going to go in that offense. If I'm going to go with a pass catcher. I like that. I want to, for the podcast listeners. I want to give a shout out here to a dried ocean that, of course, the YouTubers can see. But on the podcast, jumping in with a fun fact: DJ Moore has had over three thousand yards total, but just ten touchdowns. That is absolutely correct. Unfortunately, last year, so Bucky, your numbers were half correct. I just want to correct that a little bit. One thirty-five targets in two thousand nineteen. One hundred and eighteen last year. You were correct on sixty-six receptions. He's had at least eleven hundred seventy-five receiving yards in the last two years but he's had eight total touchdowns, just four per season. Last year, though, Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers, somehow, obviously Christian McCaffrey not being there does not help at all. 11 passing touchdowns, unbelievable for an NFL team. That cannot happen again. I expect an an increase, and really it only comes down to the touchdown upside for DJ Moore. If he can even get six to eight, he's going to blow away his ADP because we know the receptions and the yardage is there, but I'm with you. It's a little bit deep, and you can get a better value maybe on Robbie Anderson. Okay, let's jump on to the other side here. Bobby, you're back up here. Let's get into your NFC South dud. And this one breaks my heart, bro. I'm ready to go at it with you on this one. <laughs> a little spice, a little spice. All right, so mine's Alvin Kamara. This guy's going number three overall, and that's where it starts. Alvin Kamara, to me, is still RB6 to 8 range, and I'm going to break down why. So that's why he's a fade for me. He's my dud. I do not think he's going to be a top three pick. Let's talk about Drew Brees. Number one, the thing about Drew Brees, he's one of the elite, he probably is the elite short to behind the line of scrimmage throwers. And that sounds ridiculous to say, but I'm going to break down the numbers, him, Taysom Hill versus him and Jameis Winston. But just look at the games last year with Taysom Hill. 
He was still very good. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't. I even took out the Denver game. If everybody remembers that Denver game last year was a disaster. They had a wide receiver playing quarterback, so it's not even worth including that game. The three other games with Taysom Hill, he averaged 16.2 points per game. In those three games, if you look at that over the last five seasons, on average, that'd be the 7.6, so between RB7 and 8. So it's not elite upside. So I started wondering why is that the case, and it starts with the receiving game. So first off, if you look at the yards per attempt for Breeze versus Hill last year, and just throwing behind the line of scrimmage, okay, 6.3 for Breeze, only 4 for Hill. Breeze has that touch, has that rhythm, and that's going to help Alvin Kamara. And it shows the yards per reception behind the line of scrimmage last year, 7.5 with Breeze for Kamara, 0.8 with Hill. He averaged 0.8 yards per reception uh, last year with Hill. That is a huge, huge downturn for him. If you look at short, the short game, that's between zero and nine yards. Breeze had seven touchdowns last year by targeting that part of the field. Taysom Hill had zero on 52 attempts. Breeze had seven and 189. He just shows that he's able to lead receivers, get the touch on the ball, put them in the best situation. Hill does not have that touch. So what if it's Jameis Winston? I looked at 2019, no risk it, no biscuit, Jameis throwing the ball a thousand times. You look at the percentage of targets to the short and behind the line of scrimmage. Breeze last season, 66% of his targets were either short, so basically under 10 yards or behind the line of scrimmage. In 2019, Winston, 46%. That's a huge difference. That's about 20%. That's going to impact Alvin Kamara because he's not an RB1 overall because he's a great running back. And yes, he is, but he only gets about 180 to 200 carries per season. He's not getting Derrick Henry's workload on the ground. It's because he's constantly getting over 100 targets and 80 receptions. I don't see that happening with a guy like Hill or Jameis Winston, which is why I think he's my dud and I am not taking him third overall. It really just comes down to opportunity. Anybody that is saying a guy like Mike Davis or a Melvin Gordon early or somebody like that, uh, Raheem Mostert early is going to get the workload and the opportunity has to be vouching from Alvin Kamara as well. Look, top three overall is as rich as it gets. You got CMC and Cook, and then you get Alvin Kamara, maybe Zeke, maybe Henry, depending on your formatting. Obviously, this isn't including Superflex. I understand it's incredibly rich, but I have to just think that they're going to run this entire offense until the wheels fall off through Alvin Kamara, no matter who the quarterback is is you have mentioned a lot of stats with the drew Brees, so i'll throw those out there michael thomas again i mentioned it earlier michael thomas is going to miss six to eight weeks when he comes back is he going to be fully healthy latavius murray is going to be 32 years old this offense is going to run through there volume is king in fantasy football and as you mentioned it although he's not a traditional ground and pound running back he is one of the he is the most elusive running back in the nfl you see him glide into the end zone between four dudes all the time I know it was an anomaly. I don't expect it to happen probably ever again, maybe in the history of the NFL, but six touchdowns in one game is not something to overlook necessarily. What that tells me is not that he will do that ever again. It tells me that he's a red zone guy. He's a goal line guy. He's the pass catching back. I don't trust anybody else on this offense right now. I know Marquez Callaway is absolutely crushing it and he's Bobby's guy, which I, I dig. I don't trust Mike um, Michael Thomas, Latavius Murray. Tony Jones, who's a fun, you know, rookie running back, but I don't trust him either. And I think, you know, what it comes down to here is Drew Brees got hurt in week 10 versus the 49ers. Jameis Winston came in, played the remaining 34 snaps in that game. He threw 10 passes. He completed six of them. Four of those completions went to Alvin Kamara. 
If you extrapolate that over the entire game, it's about seven to eight targets, which is Alvin Kamara's career average. We all know that he's had at least 81 receptions, one, two, three years in a row. Last year, he upped it by two to 83. He's never rushed for 1,000 yards, but last year he had 932, 14 touchdowns, 18 touchdowns, six two years ago, and 21 last year. Obviously, if you take away that Christmas Day game and you you just take away all six, he's got 15. Still absolutely incredible. Alvin Kamara is somebody because, look, I expect a big bounce back from Zeke and the Cowboys. The ceiling of Alvin Kamara and the ceiling of Zeke, I'm going to give it to Alvin Kamara. Zeke probably has a better floor, but in the if I'm drafting third overall for me personally, I'm looking to take a guy who has incredible floor, which I think Kamara has, and has league-winning opportunity. There's a lot more mouths to feed in Dallas. And Derrick Henry's Derrick Henry. Ran for 2,000 yards, still wasn't a top-three running back. So for me, I'm going to still go with Alvin Kamara and has the fourth-ranked offensive line in the NFL. To me, it just adds up and you and I disagree on this one which is fun because we'll see what happens but to me Alvin Kamara's volume is going to pay dividends here all right tiebreaker Rye let's go what do you got oh man I'm not taking him at three I, I'd actually rather have Zeke uh, all right, that's I, all the time we have for you tonight I appreciate <laughs> you tuning into the show I'll probably still take Henry over him but but you know the line the line is is rock solid there and you know he's going to get the catches even though I don't believe in Jameis and uh, I'm not a Taysom Hill guy. I'm I'm just I'm, I'm more comfortable with Zeke this year. I'm pretty high on him. But let me throw this out there really quick. I want to get I want to get Bucks Bucks uh, load on this too before we before we come out. I don't believe in Jameis either. I definitely don't believe in Taysom Hill because he's going to be running the ball. I believe in Sean Payton, and I have long thought this. No matter who the quarterback is in, in New Orleans, this is Sean Payton's offense. This is Sean Payton's quarterback. Jameis Winston is not sticking around New Orleans because Sean Payton brought him into the room with closed doors and said, all right, kid, I saw what he did in Tampa. Let's throw 10 picks instead of 30, and I'll let you just run it and gun it. That's not going to happen. Drew Brees never did that. He was a cerebral quarterback, a smart quarterback. If Jameis comes out and runs and guns it and he throws the you know the weekly pick, but he throws three touchdowns, he might be able to deal with it. If he throws Jameis Winston-style picks, it's going to be Taysom Hill because they won right. games with Taysom Hill. Jameis is not going to be Jameis. I just firmly believe this. There's no way Sean Payton is going to let him be the Jameis that we know of. So <laughs> if they can check it down, I think Alvin Kamara has more of an opportunity. I, I think you're having too much faith in Jameis, <laughs> you know, not being Jameis. Because no matter what you tell him, once the lights come on, he's like he's like a really good, you know, what in, in baseball, what would you call a 5 o'clock hitter, right? Love in BP, you're just hitting dingers out there. As soon as the light comes on, Jameis shits his pants and has no idea what is going on. And real quick, before we move on, shout out to all the Callaway sleepers in there as he has this huge game here on uh, Monday Just Night Football. I see feeling you it, yeah. <laughs> so with Jameis, I mean, I've watched him year in, year out. Just surprised me with some of the decision-making there and his lack of touch on those short throws. He's never been good at that. He's a lot like Uncle Rico and Napoleon Dynamite. He's going to throw that football over them there mountains. And that's what the man tries to do. He tries to force every single throw. And once you get a bit of pressure on him, it gets even worse. I'll never forget being in Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London for that Carolina Panthers game. Bucks get the ball at the 40-yard line to start the game. Jameis drops back. It's a very easy slant over the middle to the running back. And it winds up in Luke Keekley's hands, and he just rides all the way back to the five-yard line. And that stays with me. 
I don't think he's good enough to get it done. And I, I think the volume might be there, but I don't think he's going to have the setup that he had with Drew Brees. Drew Brees threw those balls into space, into the spaces that he would he was going to capitalize the most on. I don't see Taysom Hill doing that. I don't see Jameis doing that. However, I, I do believe in a fifth fifth overall, sixth overall pick for Kamara. I, I'm with I'm with Levy. I, I'd prefer to go with either Zeke, Derrick Henry in that slot, but I completely understand the PPR looking for it. I just think we might be looking for truffles without a truffle pick. And that's <laughs> that's kind of the problem. Okay. Yeah, I I do agree with you, and, and and unfortunately, I would I would talk truffles all day long, man. I actually found a bag of chips recently that was truffle chips. I've had truffle Ooh. like burgers and stuff and, and whatever, but truffle chips. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I'll tell you what, they are they are something I'm looking after. Look, I got to get into my stud because sorry, I just rambled on for for 20 minutes about Alvin Kamara and my love, and that is true. And I wanted to give him the shout out that he rightfully deserves, but I got to get into my dud in this division, and unfortunately. It's Mike Davis. And Bobby and I talk about this every once in a while where we do these segments and we're almost like displeased on the numbers we find or we're excited about the numbers we find because it changes our perspective. Uh, You know, spoiler alert, we may disagree on this one here too. All right, Mike Davis is my dud in this division. Going right now in the middle of the fifth round, he is the ECR running back 22, ADP running back 24. I've got him at 25. I'm going to say this right off the bat. If he finishes where he's getting drafted, let's say wide receiver 24, for example, J.K. Dobbins last year was running back 24. We know that he was a rookie. He didn't really get going until the second half, whatever. But his numbers ended up running back 24 in PPR. He had 925 yards and nine touchdowns, 168.5 fantasy points, 11 PPR fantasy points per game. If Mike Davis finishes there, he's not going to sink your team by any means. He's going to be a good floor play. In those rounds, the wide receivers – even the top-end tight ends, high upside quarterback if you draft that way, are just so much more attractive to me, and other running backs are more attractive than Mike Davis. He's 28 years old, former fourth-round pick, so he doesn't even have like yesteryear draft capital necessarily that they're hoping pops up late in his career. Just five top 12 PPR finishing, fan, five top 12 fantasy finishes last year in PPR in 15 games. One-third of his games, he finished top 12. So not like top five, top 12 finishing in for Christian McCaffrey. The durability is the big issue because obviously if he plays 16, 17 games, by default, he's going to be probably a top 10 quarterback because all running backs last year that finished top 24, two of them, J.D. McKissick and Derrick Henry were the only two quarter uh, running backs to finish all 16 games. Nearly every running back misses one or two. So let's give him 15 games with a 17-game schedule. If he plays that many, he's probably going to be top 12 by default. I don't think he will. Durability is an issue for me and Mike Davis. He's only started 10 games before last year. He put up 1,015 yards in 15 games. Again, not good efficiency. He did score eight touchdowns, which helped him, but 3.9 yards per carry, 6.3 yards per reception. I want more than that for my RB2, RB3. He's missed 34 games in his career due to injury. He's played 62 out of 96. And I want to give a shout-out to my little man, JVN Hawkins. UDFA, 5'9", 196. He's going to be that hybrid, you know, pass-catching back. Maybe a Jacquez Rogers for you OGs out there. Played 231 pass-blocking snaps at Louisville. 231 pass-blocking snaps at Louisville. He allowed zero sacks. 
My man can stand in there, take the brunt, keep Matt Ryan healthy. That's what they want out of rookies and running backs. He's going to earn more playing time. I think Mike Davis fades down like he did last year. I It might be good for five, six weeks. I'm looking to win a championship. I don't think Mike Davis is going to be on championship rosters. Yeah, so let's talk about Mike Davis and understanding Arthur Smith. And now people are going to automatically say he doesn't have Derrick Henry. Arthur Smith has been a part of the Titans organization on the offensive side since 2011. So everything we're going to talk about predates Derrick Henry. They gave, you know, Antonio Andrews and, and uh, Bishop Sankey legitimate roles when they were healthy. So, like, trust me, these this offense that he's been a part of has been run-centric. CJ2K, after his big season, even in his late 20s, they gave him 275 carries. DeMarco Murray, after the debacle in Philadelphia, he comes to the Titans, he looks like a stud again, gets 275 carries. So Arthur Smith is not going to be as pass-heavy. They're going from Dirk Coiter, who, by the way, is the most pass-heavy guy you'll ever meet, coordinator, to a guy like Arthur Smith, who's been a part of coaching staffs. Exotic, they called their run game the exotic smash mouth. That's the kind of guy he is. <laughs> Come on, like really, this the fact that they're not going to lean a little more on the ground game this year is not true. So Mike Davis as a whole, his best season in 2018 with the Seattle Seahawks, averaged 4.6 yards per carry. The reason why I bring that up is that's when they use zone blocking schemes. That's what Arthur Smith does. Two-thirds of Derrick Henry's rushes last year were in zone versus gap. Why is that important? Because that's what they use in Seattle. Last season, under 50% of the carries for Mike Davis were, were on zone. So his a, he's a better fit for what they like to do. Put your foot in the ground and cut up. So that's why I like Mike Davis for that. But also, if you look at the passing game usage of Derrick Henry, it's very alarming. But that's a Ryan Tannehill thing. If you predate Ryan Tannehill the last two seasons, Mariota targeted Deion Lewis over 60 times. DeMarco Murray had a season over 60 targets. So there was plenty of times where Arthur Smith was a part of a coaching staff that featured a running back. Plus, Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley. Russell Gage? Hayden Hurst, I think Mike Davis theoretically could be that number three. Plus, in 2015 and 16, when you look at the Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan scheme that was run back in Atlanta, Devonta Freeman averaged 81 targets a season. So that is really, we've seen in this system with Matt Ryan, he's willing to throw to his running backs. Plus, he's getting older. He doesn't want to get hit. He's like, you know what? Hey, Mike, you take this. So I have faith that he can return value in the fifth round. But I'm still going to lean on guys like, TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews in that range. I'm still going to look at guys like Chase because I think he has a bigger ceiling. So I'm not, he's not my number one, but I'm not completely off him. He's not a dud in my opinion. Bobby, how about this? How about this? We'll make it fair. You draft Mike Davis, I'll draft Alvin Kamara, and we'll see who has a better season. <laughs> Done. Done. Does that Done. sound legit? I mean, I, I feel I like, like it. Okay. I just want to make sure we're, yeah. we're fair here. Yo, we're going to head out of here. Levy, can you please let everybody know what exactly we're doing and why we're even in the quad box tonight? Uh, this, this is it. This is the candlestick kids joining up with us here at the fantasy focus network. Happy to have you guys, man. It's going to be a lot of fun this season. We'll be live every Sunday shows throughout the week. Uh, these guys pump out a ton of content, excited to see what they do. And, uh, yeah, this, the sky is the limit. And, and, uh, by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm also not a believer in Mike Davis. So, um, wow. I, I just got to slide that in there real quick. Kind of picked me in the ass a little bit last year, but. I just want to end my my night with that. Well, let's let's end on a high note. That one sounds good to me. I appreciate you guys bringing us on. Bucks are going to be joining us on Sundays. Levy's going to be on Sundays. Bobby and I do this every single day, and we have a lot of guests come on as well. So if you haven't yet, of course, all the fantasy-focused family, make sure you hit the subscribe, leave a comment on who your stud and dud is in the NFC South. But also, 
Make sure you go and follow Bobby and I on Twitter at our name, Sky Guasco, S-K-Y-G-U-A-S-C-O, and Bobby Lamarco, last name, L-A-M-A-R-C-O. You can find us on Twitter. We're also on Instagram, Fantasy Football underscore TCK Pod and Fantasy Football X Factor. You can, of course, if you listen to our podcast after the fact, we are on the Believe Podcast Network. We are your one-stop shop for fantasy football analysis. The Believe Podcast Network has over 300 sports-driven podcasts, 30-plus NFL-focused podcasts, and we are your one-stop shop. So make sure you give us a rate and review there. We would really appreciate all of the new Fantasy Focus family. Come and help us out as well. Let's bump this thing together. Boys, it's going to be an absolutely incredible season. We're super pumped to be fired up with you guys. Bobby, it's always a pleasure, of course. Buck, Levy, we're excited to be on this here. We'll be back tomorrow as well with our breakouts, our sleepers, and our deep sleepers for the NFC South as well. So tune in tomorrow one more time. We'll be back for everybody here at the Fantasy Focus Network and the TCK Potters. My man Buck, Levy, Bobby Lamarco. I am your host, Sky Guasco. We'll catch you next time. We are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.